Hey there, we're Those Sci-Fi Guys, and this is that Those Sci-Fi Guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, and I finally saw Ant-Man. Yeah. What'd you think? Or do we want to wait till another video? Um, no. I think we, we're we not really going to dedicate a whole video to it, I don't think. It was fun. It was fun. I... I Nothing spectacular or awe-inspiring about it, but it was a fun watch, yeah. and I enjoyed it, you know? I mean, I walked out of I walked out of Endgame and Infinity War affected as I should. Nothing has affected me more than Guardians, the first one, other than, and then the second one was a good uh, affected movie that got me, and then Winter Soldier was a pretty holy shit movie. Um... And then Ragnarok was good in its own different style too. I mean, but but this wasn't up to par with those, but but no. it certainly wasn't bad. I don't think. No, I don't which think it was is, bad either. Which, which you know, I, I'm hearing a lot of people saying it's it's awful, it's bad, it's the end of the MCU. You know, which we've been hearing the end of the MCU since 2013 with Iron Man three. <laughs> so I don't know uh, all I can say is I'll just I'll vote with my wallet that's it fair enough so I enjoyed it myself uh, did I think it was groundbreaking no <clears throat> um, was it kind of at times a little all over the place sure a little but <laughs> you know it was enjoyable you got to see Paul Rudd Paul Rudd and you know, uh, everybody gets a little bit of their moment to shine, and yeah, no, that's true too. They did spread it around pretty evenly. Yeah, and it was it was Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, Janet, right? Janet. Yeah. Yeah, it was Janet's time for redemption or or whatnot. So you know that was that was good too. So and and seeing Kang do you know get a getting a taste of what Kang can do and stuff was also. That was interesting. That that wet your beak a little bit for the upcoming Avengers level threat that he will be. So, oh yeah, a lot of criticism about spoiler alert, everyone. Five, four, three, two, one. A lot of criticism that Ant Man could be the one that would kill Kang. It wasn't. It was the Wasp. But still, <laughs> um, I didn't find that controversial because Kang is everywhere but nowhere that's just the nature of who kang is you know yes so you can kill one but there's infinite more of them so i don't know that's my take on it how are you dt how's things uh, i'm okay you know uh spent uh, a good chunk of the day with my uh family uh you know went over the folks for a late lunch, early dinner. Nice. My sister and nephew was there. We all had a good time. Folks just got back from, you know, traveling down south. And uh, oh man, I forgot that they were still down there for for a while. Yeah, uh, they send their best, by the way. Oh, good. Thank you. And uh, we pulled in, and we stepped out of the, you know, pulled into the driveway a little while ago. Turned around and looked out 
onto the horizon, and there you saw Mercury and Venus. Yeah. Actually, it's uh, Jupiter and Venus. Jupiter? Is that it? Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. Jupiter and Venus. So yeah, they've uh, they've they've pretty much apexed with each other and, and almost merged, which is pretty cool to see. So yeah. uh, it's been raining like cats and dogs here, so I haven't really been able to catch much on that. A couple yeah. couple clear nights this past week that I've been able to see it, but that's it. Well, we're we're getting them now. Uh, we weren't able to see them much over the weekend with all the weather we got here, but. Here we are. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. So, um, what's that you're drinking there on your Quark's bar glass? Uh, it is uh, Sam Adams Cold Snap. Ooh, what makes it Cold Snap? Uh, it's just, it's very crisp. Okay. Uh, is it dry? You know, well, it's a liquid, so no. Um, you know, uh, I don't think it's especially dry. No. Okay. It's just kind of a nice, crisp, not heavily flavored, but still very nice flavor texture. Uh, you know, I've got to clean them out because the Guinness is here. <laughs> so is the Smithix. We're coming it's, up. It's, it's, it's St. Patty's holiday. Yes. <laughs> coming up. <laughs> Violence, property destruction. Is this what we think of when we think of the Irish? Is this The Simpsons? Yes. <laughs> I think we just watched that episode. <laughs> My son recently rewatched it and he goes, uh, I got questions, Dad. <laughs> why why are the Irish made fun of so much? And I'm like, ah, sit down, white. my boy. <laughs> sit down. <laughs> because we've got a good sense of humor about ourselves. You and boy. so does everyone else about us. So <laughs> Me and my shark don't don't laugh at that. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, that's the Italian in you though. So <laughs> There it is. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Like I said, it's been raining buckets here. We're like 50% over our average uh, yearly rainfall right now. And there's still more storms on the horizon. And literally there are mountain communities right now who haven't had power for a week. And the roads have not been cleared yet. Mm. Like. It's pretty wild, and I'm actually concerned that people are going to start dying. Not to bring things down, but that's the kind of weather systems we've been dealing with. Well, you know, it's also, I mean, let's not forget, though, that normally these places are also on fire. So, Yeah, but at least you can leave if you're given enough notice. Well, maybe once they get things cleared and power restored, you've gotten enough water that you don't have to worry about the the mass fi- uh, <laughs> massive forest fires for a little bit. Mm, no, the problem is there's so many dead trees because of the, the invasive beetle from Asia. I don't know the name of it, but 
man, there's like hundreds of millions of trees that are dead in the Sierras right now. No amount of water alive will bring them back. So mm. it's just kindling waiting to happen. Like the Creek Fire three years ago, that was, that was first of all, that was man-made. And number two, which they don't talk about, and because num- I, I have some friends who are in Cal Fire, and basically most of these fires are all man-made. We're not talking like PG&E man-made. We're talking like people set them on purpose. Oh, like, so arson. Got it. Yeah, it's all arson. It, it's, it's practically all arson. So, um, anyway. But hopefully it helps with the drought, which, you know, we could be 20 feet underwater throughout all of California. We'd still be in a drought. So, of course, because that's that's how they define it. So <sighs> anyway, what brings us together today, DT? The glories of modern technology and. The return of the Mandalorian. Dun, 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 dun. That's not it. How's our theme go? How does that theme? What's their theme? Shoot. I need to get a sound system do, box do, here. Do, 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 do. Yeah, something like that's that's a lot better than what I was doing. So <laughs> very good, the bad and the ugly. Yes, it is all westernish. So yeah, so we like we said in the last episode, the last the last real season of the Mandalorian ended before we started this podcast, which is insane to me. I know, right? <laughs> so we've never really talked about. The Mandalorian in and of itself. So this is an interesting deal. True. Um, I guess we'll do what we always do. Like, what'd you think? Well, first off, I love the series. Okay. Yeah. Um, Pedro Pascal's Dinjarin, The Mandalorian. It's very evocative of a spaghetti western, a lone gunman. But it also has some of that... Shogun, lone samurai stuff, Mm -hmm. all these things yanked that George Lucas, you know, took from when he was creating Star Wars in the first place. But he he didn't take, he homaged. Take implies thievery. Well, he took some things that he saw (laughs) and applied it to what, you know, he was working on. I mean, he was using them as inspiration You're, I mean, yes. I'm just, I'm just being pedantic. I didn't say steal. I said take. So. True. Yes. Influenced. Again, I'm being pedantic. I'm sorry. Anyway, we, uh, please save us. Please take us out of this this role, this hole that I I dug us in. Please. Need a Mandalorian jetpack for that, my friend. Yes, I do. <laughs> Needless to say, the last time we saw Din Djarin and Grogu was in the Book of Boba Fett last year. Mm-hmm. Um, a little surprising. Not surprising so much that we were going to see Din Djarin. <clears throat> they kind of let it be known that he was going to probably pop up anyway. Just didn't realize that we were going to follow the better parts of two episodes behind him. <laughs> it really was just two whole episodes of him. And, and and an episode of Grogu. Yeah. And, and we got to see the predicament that he was in by having to confess that he removed his helmet with the um, the blacksmith. Um, the armor. 
The armor, yes. Forgive me, but... Well, that's the character's name, so... Right, yeah. Um, But, you know, and how he's basically excommunicated from the Order. Hence the name of the episode, The Apostate. Mm Mm-hmm. Look, I think we might as well just kind of do kind of a review of the series on a whole before we dive into episode one of season three, because we really haven't. Well, I mean, I I suppose we could do a quick overview of everything and stuff. I mean, we're not doing a blow by blow, but no, just a, a, you know, quick like, I mean, we don't need to do a, a summary or anything, just... I think the best part about when The Mandalorian debuted was that it was familiar enough, but you didn't know any of the characters, any of the... any any of the planets that they were on. It was just... It was all new. It was finally opening up a new corner of the galaxy far, far away. Right. Which I did find... Interesting, and I was really looking forward to The Mandalorian, which, to give context, premiered in November, uh, actually at the end of November of um, 2019, right before The Rise of Skywalker was set to debut, about three right. weeks three weeks later. So, Star, Star Wars was in a bit of a weird flux at this point, because Last Jedi kind of set everything akimbo and uh right yeah solo vastly underperformed and that's when bob Iger was like all right we're not doing yearly movies anymore we're gonna have to reset the reset the 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 pieces and we'll put together a a new plan after that it didn't do yearly movies they did one every six months at that time it was last year yeah solo then uh, the Rise of Skywalker. I think Solo would have been better if there'd been an expansion. You know, either you know, it had its own. You know, like it dropped in December, or like because they didn't do that to Rogue One. No, they didn't. They pushed Rogue Rogue One to December and stuff. I think it was one of those things where they really wanted to have Star Wars get back to the May releases. Um. Because if you remember, The Last Jedi was supposed to release in May, but then about three months after uh, The Force Awakens, it was announced that The Last Jedi, which wasn't The Last Jedi at the time, but they announced that Episode Eight was going to be pushed back to December of 2017 rather than May to make room for more production, post-production time and stuff like that. Fine. Um, and then they're like, okay, we'll reset the whole thing for a May release with Solo. And and they could have easily pushed Solo to December, because remember, I mean, they basically had to reshoot 80% of the movie. <laughs> Which, and they just decided to stick with the May release, because they really wanted that traditional May, because every other Star Wars movie released in May, before the Disney acquisition. So... Look, all I know is um, there was enough divisiveness after the after the Last Jedi that Star Wars was in a kind of a precarious spot. And Very much so. The Mandalorian debuted and was universally praised. Now, of course, they were using it 
to launch Disney Plus, which was good. I actually lucked out. I didn't have to buy it because it was being offered free with Verizon customers or something. Oh, like yeah, that. that's right. <laughs> so I got like a, a year free to see if we'd actually use it. Uh, and first I remember ever free. since. Yeah, first taste is free, bitch. <laughs> well, I tell you, um, I sat down, I watched it, and I really enjoyed it. And by this point, my kid was pretty much into Star Wars. And of course, once they had the, they had one of the best kept secrets in movies in a long time. <laughs> or TV and movies. The reveal of Grogu, the child, Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. At the time, only known as the child. Everyone's like, is, is, is that a baby Yoda? <laughs> yeah. We'd only seen one other of that species, and that was in Yaddle, who didn't have a speaking part. At that at point, the time. Yeah. at the time in, in uh, the, the Phantom Menace, it was basically a long shot of her sitting in the master in the, 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 the council room. Yeah. So, yeah, so we didn't really think about a civilization of, of that group. Um, but we, we we did get to see that this baby was force sensitive pretty quickly. Well, yeah, by episode two. Yeah. <laughs> and then things started coming out that it was an actual puppet most of the time and not CGI, and that was even more impressive. Mm-hmm. And you started seeing it. It was very reactive. And, you know, the amount of people who were just coming out of the woodworks in the show, you found out who, you know, you have all the different people who were directing it, all Tech the different people. Which we knew from the first he was going to be a voice. Right. Uh, then you have in Nick Nolte, who you also knew. But, like, you're getting, like, in the first episode, like, Brian Posehn. Brian Posehn, yes. Horatio Sands, you know. Horatio Sands. They mentioned Life Day. <laughs> but then you, you also get uh, Werner Herzog. Oh, my God, yes. Who is and the guy Cole who... Weathers. Well, Werner Herzog is the guy who basically convinced them to use the puppet more as much as possible. Oh called yeah. Them all he, out on called, he called, uh, he called them cowards. Um, yeah. He called them cowards for wanting to do CGI. <laughs> you're, you're a bunch of cowards. <laughs> I would like to see the baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's poetic justice. No, bringing back the Basca to its rightful people. Yeah, there was just so much gravitas there. And can I just say, Carl Weathers is just excellent in this role. He's 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 America's treasure. I mean, he's (laughs) he hasn't lost any touch on this role. No, no, he hasn't. And I kind of a little blustery, that. that deep voice. You know. First, he starts off as being basically the guy who the Mandalorian gets his, you know, bounties from, you know. Right. But, <laughs> and, the, and this Navarro, this seedy Tatooine-esque world that 
where the Bounty Hunters Guild is out of. And you get to see a lot of bounty hunting. Right. Right. But now, he's bounty hunting, but he's also got this... Babysitting. Little, yeah. And <laughs> he, he, he does. He gives up the baby when he finally gets... gets it. And you start seeing... you know, But as you progress, you start seeing... You get a little more and more attached to this little creature who gets into everything and eats everything, including yeah. whole frogs. Hilarious. And he can heal with the force. Now, that was a very that was a uh, a great power that was used in Legends but not really much in established canon before now. Right. So. Did we see that before Rise of Skywalker? Not that I can recall. I think they've they've talked a little bit about things in canon, yeah. but not really much. So Grogu is really the first time you see anything about it. And in addition to having, like, the biggest marketing... <laughs> merchandising uh, product in ages. I mean, Grogu is everywhere. Yes. He's on <laughs> everything. It took about six months before they could get product out. All the official product. <laughs> there was a lot of bootleg stuff. Yeah, there was. Yeah. But, yeah. And I gotta, I gotta say, Disney... Might have taken a hit in the short term on not having product ready. Oh, they most they certainly did, did. But they didn't lose. The best part about it was was that there was no spoil. You didn't yeah. know. Yeah, no one knew. Now, no of course, releasing in November and being flush for the Christmas season, they could have <laughs> said, oh, well. This this looks like it could be a pretty good marketing and merchandising, and mm-hmm. they stuck with it, and it it, it killed. It was excellent. It was very, uh, yeah. They by had, the way, no one really talked about it uh, about Grogu either in the first few days. Like there was allegations, like a holy shit kind of ending to it. Where people are like, oh my god, this is the direction they're going to go? And, like, not in a bad way, but, like, like a holy crow. And I, I have to say, the internet behaved itself pretty well. Yeah. Those first few days <laughs> before I could finally watch it. Yeah, I didn't, it, uh, it wasn't spoiled for me. And then, and I said, I'm like, wow. The longer <laughs> it went on, you know, the more episodes into season one you get. You get to see the empire, what the remnants of the empire out on the fringe. Mm-hmm. You get to see dirty stormtroopers. Yeah, dirty stormtroopers. Like, which you know, I like. I like that kind of stuff. I like, like when you see that in Rogue One. You see the stormtrooper in the transport with, um, shoot, what's her face? Jin. Jin. Is it Jin? Really? Jin Urso. Yeah, it is Jin Urso. Um, you see her and you see the, the stormtrooper just kind of like sitting there staring at the ground like ahead of him. The gu- the guns kind of hanging with one arm, you know, one hand and stuff. And he's exhausted. And, you know, you could see, I like seeing that. 
like there's a humanity underneath that that uniform that you didn't really see portrayed in the original well in the in the first six you know yeah. skywalker movies you know so um that's well, just my personal thing and the interesting thing is he gets some side quests as he's trying to find either places to hide because he's he bailed on the bounty hunters guild. They're all side quests. He bailed on the on the bounty hunters guild when he decided to go back and save Grogu from the Empire when he turned him over. He he struggles to get off whatever planet he was on where he meets Quill the Ugnot played by uh, Nick Nolte. I have spoken. I have spoken. Uh, Oh, I loved him. IG-11, the yep. the assassin <laughs> droid, played by Taika Waititi, who always just wants to go and blow up. Yeah, yeah. Because he does. You know, there's nothing known about this target, only that it's 50 years old, and this is the planet it's on. That's it. Mm-hmm. And the Empire is offering him Beskar, bars of Beskar. Mm-hmm. He can bring this asset. And he does, but by this time, Grogu has already saved his life when he's being attacked by the Mudhorn, and he feels like he's owed him a little, but he, he still turns him in because it's a job, and he does the job. He turns it in, and he's feeling a little guilty, kind of asks What's going on? What are you going to do the with the child? And the Empire's like, uh, dude. None of your concern. <laughs> yeah. So he takes all this Beskar back. He gets, you know, a brand new shiny suit of Beskar armor with some cool gadgets. And then he just can't live with himself. So he kicks in the door and he's like wrecking stormtroopers and he's saves Grogu. And here comes. I feel like I need to rewatch the first season because there's nothing wrong with it. I loved it. Uh, it, It's quite enjoyable. And you can watch each episode as like small little bites and stuff just to kind of what I did with Kenobi, by the way. Well, I mean, you can watch it a little bit more, uh, you know, sometimes episodically. Um, But you get you you get the Mandalorians coming out of hiding to help him escape mm-hmm. you know and he, he escapes and he tries to go into hiding and as he tries to hide and stay off the grid of the bounty hunters guild which is basically put a hit out on him the empire's got a hit out on him mm-hmm. and they're all still looking for the kid every time he tries to stop or, or do a job somewhere he's he's got a bounce you know he meets people along the way uh, gina carano is uh cara dune the ex-rebel uh, shock trooper mm-hmm. was a great character. Um, she brought some uh, some gravitas and uh, an oomph. Former, to the show. For, well, she's an Alderanian. Yep. And you start seeing Mando touching base with people and kind of building, uh, building small alliances here and there, which will come into play later. Right. Learning uh, how to speak with the sand people and the Jawas yep. and and uh, that's all that's all uh, Quinn's or Quill's doing. Is it Quill? Quinn? Yeah. Quill. Quill. Yeah. 
that's all Quill's doing. Nick Nolte's doing, teaching him yeah. patience and having to deal with the native people. Well, not native, because they're not native to that planet. Um, <clears throat> they just they just thrive in desert environments. Well, you get. There's actually a surprising amount of comedians and comedic actors who show up in this show too. Jason uh, Sudeikis. Bill Burr. <laughs> Bill Burr. Oh my God. When he go when they go. He gets a, uh, a call from an old contact who, with this crew he used to run with about breaking into what was it, a New Republic prison ship to, to rescue mm-hmm. somebody. Yeah, and then they all, they, all, they all turn on him. And he, by the way, I think I've mentioned the New Republic, the one New Republic officer on the, the ship is actually played by Matt Lanter, the voice of Anakin Skywalker. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I'll have to re redo that. The, you know, you know what got me about <clears throat> that episode in particular is a good example. But the show itself was not overly complicated. It's it's basically you're right. It, it's he's confronted with a side quest. He's got his his overall quest, but in order to get to his overall quest, he has to complete this side quest in order to get what he needs in order to right. move on. Um, it's perfect for a video game. It is. It's video game. It's video game writing. And, you know, remind me of that when we start talking about episode one of season three. But it was a relief to see that the plots weren't convoluted and whatnot. The set pieces, while very pretty, also were not convoluted either, especially with the prisoner transport. They basically built just one set and then just had people running from one side, change the camera angle, and they run from the other side. You know, well, trying to make it look like a huge the volume ship. a lot. The technology, the volume. Right, right. So, and 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 that's fine too. But you know, it was simple things about this that they still were able to make it look high quality, but it also had a quaint little television feel every now and then too. Yeah, which is not a bash on it in any way. I like it. <laughs> Well, it's it's surprising how many of these characters actually come back and how many of the directors of the episodes have cameos. Yeah. Like in that uh, Prison Break for... episode, three three of the directors, including uh, Dave Filoni, have cameos as X-Wing pilots going to this pirate hideout to blow it up. Right, which, right. <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um and you get to see, you know, love for the lore, love for the franchise from Favreau, Filoni, and their collected directors who who do it, including Deborah Chow and Bryce Dallas Howard and such. And Which, Rick, I'm sorry, man, I'm going to butcher your last name, so I'm going to not. Mm, the fact that you can even call recall any of these names is... A miracle in and of itself. Well, so. I very much enjoyed the uh, Star Wars galleries uh, they did after season one, which was like an eight-part, like in-depth behind-the-scene of it, where they had roundtables with the directors, roundtables with the actors, roundtables with some of the, uh, you know, the uh, the technology people, you know, the, mm-hmm. the the special effects folks and and the set guys and all this, which I think is awesome, and you. You got one episode of it for season two. 
but they really haven't done much of those, which is a shame because I really enjoyed them. Uh, I enjoyed watching Favreau and Filoni sit around with like Pedro Pascal and, and <laughs> you know, uh, or with Bryce Dallas Howard and Deborah Chow or with, you know, Pedro and, and uh, uh, Carl Weathers and Gina Carano. And they're all talking about stuff. And it's, it, it's so cool. I will grant you, yes, it is. You know why they're not doing it very much anymore. I assume that COVID had something to do with it. Well, sort of, but it really has to do with the fact that it costs money to do those things. And while they're not necessarily paying those people, time still costs money. Yeah, and I'm sure... I don't know. Maybe the maybe it didn't get enough views that they hoped for. Who and that's that's. I don't think that that's really material to the situation. They just it was a nice little puff. It was a nice little bonus piece for for that. Well, but I didn't hear about the volume until I watched that. The the, the, the technology you're talking about the 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 surround the surround yeah. screen. Yeah, I didn't even. I thought they actually had done some good location work. Oh wow! Okay, I knew about the. I knew about that thing. I didn't know it was called the volume, but I knew about it from an article that was written, <clears throat> which was awesome. I mean, it's cool that they could do that. Yeah, um, well, I mean, it definitely cut down on, you know, uh, location, mm-hmm. uh, travel, and such. And it helps uh, with the helps with the actors, you know, to to actually put them in an environment rather than put them in front of a green screen. Yeah, as, as Sir Ian McClellan can. Uh, Come attest. on, man, McClellan. McClellan. As as he can attest. Yeah. Anyway, uh, season one, you know, of course, Grogu gets kidnapped or. There's always an attempt to kidnap him again. You know, the Empire's after him. And, you know, they get him. He's kidnapped by Adam Pally and Jason Sudeikis. Oh, yeah. Like, let me see him. No. And let me see him. No. And then he punches the kid to shut up. And <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> squirming, and then it bites somebody. And then... yeah. John Favreau pulls Adam Pally aside and is like, um, great commitment. That thing cost $5 million. <laughs> but then oh. you start getting leaks of behind the, the, the scenes footage, like the picture, the blurry picture of um, George Lucas visiting the set and holding the Grogu puppet. Yeah. Excellent. Which I originally heard George Lucas was livid about the idea that they were bringing in another Yoda species. But Maybe I think that that was. was first. In, okay, possible. I, I, I think that that might have actually been overblown. Um, but it looks like he kind of came to terms with it pretty quickly by seeing that, that, that his face when he was holding the Yoda doll or Grogu doll. Well, I bet. If nothing else, his love of the the technology used was yeah. probably also. I mean, you know the him. Innovation. 
the you know, an innovative filmmaker who helped create a lot of new special effects, you know, in his younger days, which. But he probably also. I think he trusted Filoni enough to know that they weren't going to, you know, uncover all the secrets. You know, that's no. <laughs> and there's so there's still so much mystery around Grogu, and we're basically it four seasons into knowing Grogu when you start talking about his appearance, you know, with the book of Boba Fett on top of the two other main right. seasons. So, yeah, I mean, if, if George trusted Filoni enough to, to turn over most of the clone wars to him, yeah, I'm just saying, that and the fact that again they just you had great performances. I mean, were they Oscar? Were they Emmy worthy? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. In, but they had good acting. You yeah, know. I mean, it was it was Star Wars. It was fine. It was great. It was fun. It was fun. And man, but anytime that little green guy gets kidnapped, man, my kid turns into a puddle <laughs> of goo. Yeah, <laughs> but they, you know, they don't pull any punches. Grogu gets kidnapped. Quill gets killed trying to protect him. Mm-hmm. IG-11 sacrifices himself to help the others escape. I mean, there's not without consequences in this show. No. Yeah, and at the end of people, season one, you've killed we two in- of your recurring characters. Right. But we were also reintroduced, shall I say, to the Darksaber. Oh, my God. (laughs) Which I had no idea what that was at the time. uh, Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon. Perfect casting. Um, As a guy who never saw Breaking Bad, and I will own that. Never (laughs) saw Breaking Bad, and I heard he was an amazing villain in that show. Scary shit. He was scary as hell. He brings this excellent, like almost early Bond type villain, like a <laughs> very bright, not like the ultra hammy ones, like you're like a true, almost like super villain. Yeah. You know, prides himself on knowledge, speaks well, <laughs> you know, just. He brings menace without. He he brings menace without looking without without snarling, like going over the top. He says it he in such a way he could say it. He could say it smiling, right? And you get all of that terror transferred well, which over. Which is why Thrawn was such a great villain. Mm-hmm. Measured. Yes. Meticulous. Mm-hmm. Gideon is wouldn't surprise me if Gideon was perhaps a protege of Thrawn somewhere. We find out down the line. Who who was who was Ahsoka fighting when she she was asking for uh, Thrawn? Was the it that lady the on the burning planet? Yes, the lady. Uh, the character's name is Morgan Elsbeth, who was I don't know, like an imperial governor or something like that. But basically. Mm-hmm. 
she, I guess, is a member of Thrawn's. I don't know if she has contacts with Thrawn or serves him in right. some way. But, I mean, they've hinted at things, right? So they defeat Gideon's stormtroopers. Mando, with his new rocket pack, goes and takes Gideon's TIE fighter out of out of the sky. Which, by the way, love his TIE fighter, which has the fold-down uh, panels. Yeah, that was fighter. cool. And he shoots him down, but Gideon, of course, doesn't die like some Disney villain. He, <laughs> his ship crashes, and then all of a sudden the side of it opens up with a lightsaber cutting it out. And it's the Darksaber. Mm-hmm. That's a very distinct sound and look and shape. And that was it. And I went, oh, shit, because I'm a Clone Wars guy. <laughs> I knew about the Darksaber. Right. I was like, how the hell did he? And, and this guy was dropping all sorts of truth on on the main characters, too. He's like calling them out by their real names. That's when he knows the Mando was Din Djarin. That's how we found out. You know, they had some good flashbacks to his childhood, why he joined the the Children of the Watch, who we start to learn in Season 2 are descendants of Death Watch. Right. And once we got get into Season 2, they really start tying it to the wider universe. You have Mando and, Mando and Grogu flying around the universe, doing jobs. You know, now they've... You've got, uh, they don't have, they think they don't have the Empire on their back. They think they don't have, you know, some of these bounty hunters tracking them down. But. But they do. Of course they do. <laughs> but they do. And, you know, I, I did find season two to be a nice little ref- the, It was refreshing because it was, it, it moved the story along, of course. Yeah. It wasn't more the same. Um, it wasn't afraid to bring back Boba Fett, which was teased, you know, who was teased in the first episode. Well, it was teased in season one. I know. The Tatooine episode, which where we first was introduced to Fennec Shand, played by Mm -hmm. Ming-Na Wen, which more on that in a moment. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, Boba Fett teased and then Boba Fett shown. Or at least you assume, because you see Tamora Morrison with, you know, no you know, weathered, wearing what appears to be altered Tuscan garb, mm-hmm. watching Mando fly away with Boba Fett's armor. Because the armor gave him a quest, the end of season one, to find more Jedi, but also... He's looking for more Mandalorians, too. Uh, and he finds he hears that there's a Mandalorian on um, Tatooine. Tatooine, yeah. And it turns out it's Timothy Oliphant playing Cobb Vanth, the guy We're, who actually it was a, a character written in official Disney canon novels. Right. Had tri- bartered or bought the armor from Jawas. And so we get introduced to him, who's a pretty good, honest character who's 
just trying to be a law keeper in this podunk town on the other side of Tatooine, and they've got a problem with a crate dragon. <laughs> and they get they have to put aside their differences with the Tuscans so they can gang up and defeat this thing, which is making everybody's life difficult. And this and only would have happened because Mando came in and translated for everyone <clears throat> because he was taught by Quill. Yeah. I think he had also said in the uh, in the Fennec Shand episode the previous season, he's also had some experience on Tatooine before, which, of course, would make sense just due to the bounty hunting nat- uh, nature being out on the, the outer rim. Tatooine mm-hmm. and Navarro and planets like that, but you know, you get you get an introduction of a character who I guess was somewhat popular from the new Disney novels, which was good. They brought on a very quality actor in Timothy Oliphant, and they just continue mm-hmm. to to grow these excellent guest roles on these shows and. Mando agrees to help them stop the crate dragon, and if he does, he gets the armor, and he gets, you know, Boba Fett's armor by helping him kill the, the damn <laughs> crate dragon. Right. And no, we course, don't want to get too mired in the weeds because we're right. we're actually summarizing each episode now. Right, but you 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 get these things that come back later on. Right. Like his his helping that town leads him to approach him in the book of Boba Fett and helping Boba Fett fight off the Pikes. Right. It's, it's great. And you have, you know, Mando and, and Grogu trying to dodge. Well, there was that horror episode on the ice planet where, (laughs) where they're dodging the ice spiders. The less said about that, the better. I know. Ugh, not that it was a bad episode. Just arachnophobia, anyone? Because I've oh, got it. Seriously. <laughs> Great tip of the hat to the original Ralph McQuarrie um, artwork, though. Yeah. By the way, the artwork at the end of every episode is one of my favorite things. That's a neat little thing. I yeah, love they do. It because the artwork is excellent. And mm-hmm. it is kind of neat to see some of the minor differences between what you see on the screen and what happens. But, uh, you know, you get, uh, but then they meet Bo-Katan Kreese, played by her voice actress, Katie Sackhoff, which is becoming mm-hmm. rarer and rarer now that the <laughs> voice actors and actresses are actually playing. But in an episode directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, you have Bo-Katan Kreese coming and helping rescue Mando and Grogu on this water planet Yep, <laughs> from being... Uh, fish food uh, but you start learning about the the true the, the continued splintering of the Mandalorian people after the Clone Wars by this time we've already seen Clone Wars season 7 and you've seen Rex Ahsoka some clones join up with Bo-Katan and some loyal Mandalorians to try to take Bandalore um, back from Maul and his Death Watch supporters and his criminal empire. 
So now you're tied back to the Clone Wars, which is great. And, of course, anytime you get Katie Sackhoff back in the role as Bo-Katan or in any sci-fi role, to be honest with you, is good in my book. You know, you progress, you have, you know, they give, they eventually end up back on Navarro as they do at least once or twice a season. Now he gets, <laughs> and what what's neat, as you look at Navarro now, it's cleaner. It's looks more respectable in season it's, two. It's landscaped and it's, yes. it somehow has water. It's and greenery. It's nicer, you know, and. Mando gets his ship repaired there, and he helps Grief, and he helps Kara, and they're back, and that's great. You know, you have, that, you know, great recurring characters who just get, you know, those actors get more, the more comfortable they are, the, the better they are in these roles. And you get to see Grogu go to school and steal people's food and then barf <laughs> all over himself. He gets, like, the full kid treatment it was awesome <laughs> uh, but i but i love it you know i think it's fantastic but then they drop ahsoka tano bo-katan tells him where to meet ahsoka find a jedi and rosario dawson does kill it as ahsoka a much wiser maybe a little harder version than what we're used to but Excellent. And the face off at the end with Bruce Lee's goddaughter, that was great. <laughs> well, she's also what, 30, 25 years older yeah. than when we last saw her. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, after uh, the Clone Wars. Yeah. Yep. This is probably about, I think, 10 years or so. Well, maybe eight years or so after we. We'd after seen, Rebels. After we'd last seen her full-time on Rebels, not that little yeah. non-speaking cameo in the final episode. But she drops the Grand Admiral Thrawn because Moff Gideon had kind of hinted that there was more shit going on out there. And when they went to Navarro, they found this Imperial base which had cloning facilities. And they keep running into this Dr. Persian who is this Imperial cloner. And, there's, of course... This is where we all think this is tied to the, the cloning that of brings Snoke. Palpatine back and all that shit. But I think it's awesome. And you're getting like people like Michael Bean showing up, you know, <laughs> the guy from the Terminator from Aliens, right? <laughs> Johnny Ringo from Tombstone. <laughs> just just more great people with sci-fi cred, just great character actors. You know, it's excellent, but you get Grogu and Mando going to find more Jedi, right? Ahsoka says she can't train him. She's not a Jedi anymore. And they go to a Jedi, almost like, I think it was like the founder of the Order, this planet Tython, but they get bushwhacked by Gideon Troopers. Dark Troopers, yeah. Dark Troopers from the same Dark Trooper PlayStation game I played as a kid. (laughs) These things were awesome to see in action. Absolutely. They look kind of like the Cylons, uh, the Cylon Centurions from Battlestars. Yeah, uh, the original ones. No, the reboot, I think. 
Well, because they were more CGI. I think they looked a little bit more like those. Well, I I feel like they looked like the original Cylons in in the the reboot. Yeah, in the helmet. Yeah. Uh, But but needless to say, now you have Boba show up and he really kicked ass. And that was before he even before he got his armor on. Yeah. Boba comes (laughs) back. You get Fennec Shan back, which is great. And now. Because Mando has offered to return his armor, he Boba and Fennec pledged to help him rescue Grogu. And now Mando's putting together his team, which <laughs> ironically enough includes going back to get Bill Burr's uh, Migs Mayfield, a native of Space Boston. <laughs> which, by the way, Bill Burr in the episode The Believer may have the best acting scene in well in the Mandalorian definitely his best that monologue he has where he's talking about Operation Cinder which Mm. I guess is from one of the Star Wars Battlefront or something like that one of the Disney games where the Empire basically the Emperor has his final plan was blow yourselves up and like all true believers go back to the Unknown regions and await my return yeah. kind of shit. That's where the first yeah. story comes from. But this chilling, bitter monologue to this Imperial before he shoots him in the face is so good. <laughs> and you actually get excellent acting out of Bill Burr. Um, really, really good acting, yes. Uh, but outstanding. But now they've... now they. Now he's got to go and pull together his A-team, right? Boba Fett, <laughs> Fennec Shand, uh, Cara Dune, Bo-Katan, and I think... Oh, um, yeah, I don't remember. Did uh, was um, What's her name? Cosco Reeves, uh, Sasha Banks, the, the wrestler. Did she join the assault? I can't remember if she is on that one. Um, I... No, yeah, she is. Ryan as comms officer. I'm not seeing her here. Yeah, yeah, she is. She is. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, Snoop Dogg's cousin, Sasha Banks, the wrestler uh, from the WWE, is also part of Bo-Katan's Night Owls, and (laughs) they go in and they break into Gideon's ship, they rescue Grogu, and then the dark troopers are about to kill them all until who shows up? Luke Skywalker. Motherfucking Luke Skywalker. Slices and dices. These dark troopers, which Din had like the devil of a time just killing one. And Mm -hmm. makes Gideon piss himself after after Mando took the the darksaber from him, which of course that's leading to problems because Bo-Katan wanted to defeat Gideon so she could take the darksaber. But now there's a problem. But Luke takes Grogu, goes off to the Jedi Temple. Mando's very sad. Flash forward to two episodes of Book of Boba Fett where Mando <laughs> can't figure out how to use the Darksaber. And then decides he needs to go get a ship and go find Grogu. Right. But he's also been cast out of being a Mandalorian when he admits he's taken his helmet off. He took his helmet off to help save Grogu, and then he took his helmet off to 
say goodbye to Grogu. Right. We get to this point and you see and now you actually have a co- bit of a coherent storyline. You have ties to previous seasons. Hell, they took they took like a third of the, the runtime of the Book of Boba Fett out just to do Mando shit. Yeah, they really did. Ugh. Which were two of the better episodes of the Book of Boba Fett. Which, uh, what do you think? I mean, do you think it was a good idea that they had no. Grogu go back? Yes, just not then. Well, okay, when He's, do you think it would have been a better thing? Season three? Yeah. It, I mean, that was the original choice, but, <clears throat> you know, they had to fill in these spots. I mean, because, uh, what's his name? Shoot. John Favreau, like, he had to come back in and save Boba Fett. And they're like, well, fuck it. Bring in two episodes which, which of season sh- three. You know, it's kind of a shame, too, because... I want to say the Robert Rodriguez directed the episode, The Tragedy, where Grogu gets kidnapped by the Dark Troopers. And that was a really good episode. It was, and, but that's Robert and, Rodriguez under the thumb of John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Which, whereas I, when he was running his own show, it kind of went off the rails. It, he I, wanted I, to do I his know. own shit. <laughs> yeah. I'll give the guy credit. I mean, that guy's directed big movies and shit. So for him to come in and want to do this, I mean, it shows his nerd credit. Um, There's, I love the behind the scenes footage of him playing his guitar. And then somebody's moving the Grogu puppets head. It's like, it's bopping to the music. And then like the behind the scenes stuff where it's like him and Tamara Morrison, like jamming out, you know, and in the trailer. Yeah. It definitely looks like he's fostered a good working environment. I mean, the, the the storytelling was a little all over the place in Boba, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, Robert Rodriguez is a good storyteller. It's just he also he needs. He might have got a little out of control in the toy start. box. That's all. Yeah. You know, you you give anyone else, and a good example of this is Michael Myers. Like, you give anyone just full free reign to do whatever the hell they want, they're going to go off the rails. And I, I point to Michael Myers with uh, Austin Powers, the first one. Mike Great Myers. movie, right? But it had a lot of studio studio dictates in it as well. well so he kind of had to rein himself in, but it was still distinctly Mike Myers. Now fast forward to Netflix telling him, do whatever the hell you want, and he creates the Pentaveret, where it is Michael Myers' humor on steroids. There is no restraint, and it is awful. Well, I it think that's one awful. of the reasons why I love Army of Darkness so much. They, <laughs> they just let Sam and Bruce go off the rails, and it was epic. Right. Well, there there are certain there are certain good off the rails, like our episodes that go off the rails, and then there are bad off the rails, like Robert Rodriguez and and Mike Myers. <laughs> it happens sometimes. You get drunk on your own power. I get it. Yeah. So, have you ever gotten mad without power? It's boring. Nobody listens to you. J. <laughs> Jonah Jameson. Nope. Simpsons. Damn it. Simpsons movie. Yeah, uh, James Brooks. Damn it. I mean, sorry, no. Albert Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Shit. <laughs> Semi close. Right franchise, wrong, wrong dude. Uh, yeah, but I, I, look, having having Mando and Grogu to start season three together, it's fine. I'm not upset with it. I enjoyed watching them come back together. Uh, Mando's side quest have brought him all to this point where now he's got to now he's got to his love for this kid is kind of what has brought him in conflict with his people but he's already having doubts about his people after meeting other Mandalorians but because he's defeated Gideon in single combat and he has rightfully won the Darksaber he can't just give it to Bo-Katan no, no, because the so last got- time she was given it she lost control of Mandalore right. because the Darksaber is supposed to be taken in combat. Supposedly. Right. Sabine gave it to her because he, she felt Bo-Katan was the person to lead their people. And apparently that didn't really happen. And people attribute that to, she, well, she didn't earn it. Right. You can see <laughs> in season two and now in season three, Bo-Katan is bitter. Right. Very bitter. She wanted Mando's help, but now that Mando's got the Darksaber, she's like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. This is not how this was supposed to go. <laughs> I was supposed to get this guy on my side so I could have yet more Mandalorian help. And right. Retake. Yeah. But no, he had to go and. <laughs> so, are, are Mando we on is basically Bob from Minions. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I never saw the Minions movie. I own it, but I've never seen it. But yeah, I got gotcha. you. Rehash that one. No, no, man. I, I've just enjoyed watching Mando because the different directors have brought different things to it. You know, you have. Taika, when he's directing, brings his own brand of Taika-ness to some of these episodes. Like the fact that IG-11 always wants to blow himself up. Like he, goes, <laughs> yeah. he goes to the nuclear option every time. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> you have, you know, you have some beautifully directed scenes. You have surprise twists. I mean, Nobody's expect. I mean, everybody was like, "Oh, wouldn't it be cool if Luke Skywalker showed up?" You're like, "Yeah, that would be great." But it's not gonna happen. <laughs> it's not. And then it did, but you didn't know it. And then you were thinking, "Is that Luke's?" And you didn't even want to think that it was because you didn't want to be let down. Like, <laughs> but then you're watching, it and it's like, "That's gotta be Luke." Isn't that right? a black? Isn't that one hand is black? It's a green lightsaber. Yeah. Oh my god! Is that this is finally <laughs> getting to see Luke Skywalker? The way we actually wanted to see Luke right. Skywalker, we a fully see fledged, powerful Jedi, powerful, just yeah, like a Jedi <laughs> Master, not just Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi, who was pretty formidable. Oh, uh, true. But <laughs> it was it was, and it was cool because in some ways it mirrored his the 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 Rogue One scene. With Darth Vader just slicing through all those. Rivers. Oh yeah, no, it was a perfect. It was a perfect what, mirror. Yeah, Darth Vader, you know, at the peak of his power, 
Oh my God. So good. <laughs> and these are when the Disney stuff is done right. Although apparently somebody let the ball drop this week that Dave Filoni may have directed the Darth Vader hallway scene. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Because well he, he was trying to get involved in the live action stuff because he knew that he was going to have to develop something for Disney Plus, And he he really hadn't gotten his feet wet in live action stuff yet. And uh, well, let's be honest, Dave Filoni is probably the best gatekeeper for Star Wars. Oh, along clearly. with along with John Favreau at this point. Well, um, it's nice. It's it's from everything I've heard and seen is that they seem to be on the same page, which right. is good. Which is good because that gives. I think there's a check some checks and balances there. <laughs> yes, yes. Um. You have the real storyteller and the real filmmaker side by side. Yes. Now, and the the good thing is, the good thing is that, um, shit, sorry. Um, the, 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 and the other interesting thing, not the good thing, the other interesting thing was he actually did a lot of um, camera work for The Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson was very like supportive of him getting uh, live action experience, and so he's just like, "Here, come here, get up behind that camera, take that, take that lens and stuff." I mean, Ryan Johnson, for all the complaints about the Last Jedi, very nice man, and you know, very eager to be a mentor, which hey, you gotta great. love about that. So, um, you know, hearing that, you know, I, I found very appreciative and everything. So, of course, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, um, I've been a Filoni guy for, for a while now. You know, the, the Clone Wars just impressed me so much. Um, they had a wonderful callback to, uh, a a great few episodes of early Clone Wars in this week's Bad Batch. Um, also had some, uh, 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 some shades of a, another sci-fi classic movie uh, as well. But, dude, I tell you, Mando going into season three, I mean, granted, the, the gap was a little frustrating. Um, we know what he's got to do, right? In the book of Boba Fett, they basically said he's got to go below under you know to the minds of Mandalore and wash himself and begging for forgiveness for showing his face, which I got. I, I I loved Din. He's he's such an honorable guy, kind of a tough dude. He's a little like Worf, to be honest with you. Um, always willing to go out there and 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 bust skulls with uh, for people he. He gives a shit about, but man, if I were him by now, I would have said, eh, maybe these Mandalorians aren't the ones I should be hanging out with. Granted, it's not like Bo-Katan is ready to welcome him with open arms. Um, (laughs) But 
I got to tell you, this season, I think, is shaping up for some very interesting things. You, you Did you watch episode one? Of course. Um, I thought that it was very fascinating that they decided to allude to the space whales that took Ezra. I was just going <laughs> to mention that. The Purgle. Yes. Which I think is excellent because one of Ezra's great powers as a Jedi was his ability to connect with animals. Yes. That helped him, particularly liberating Lothal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's how he did it. They were he was able to commune with the Pergil uh, before it in an, an earlier episode, and then they were able to use that connection to get the Pergil to help defeat the Empire around Lothal. Grogu right. has shown an affinity to commune with beasts. And it almost looked like as Grogu was looking out into hyperspace, he was kind of reaching out, like almost looked like some of those shapes looked like they might have been getting a little closer. Yeah, they were. They totally were. <laughs> Which, excellent. This you, we, we might get hints about Ezra and Thrawn in this show. I think so. Is there any show that they're supposed to be in or is it going to be Ahsoka? supposed to be in Ahsoka. Okay. Ron is still a mystery right now. Probably Ahsoka as well. Mm-hmm. Which that would be what, awesome if they could make him like expecting, but yeah. Um, there's, there's some, there's now there's some rumors that maybe just maybe Mando in his travels may come across Ezra. Uh, or or hints or something yeah that will lead him to be a source of information for ahsoka and her quest to find him well i mean why would they bring up the purgle without yeah i mean what they're they have to bring back ezra at some point because he's just such an integral part of the filoni verse well and they've already cast an actor <laughs> right so i guess the question would be Okay, so he's going to be in season three then. Who knows? Who knows? But <laughs> there's definitely going to be pieces of the overall puzzle here in season three. Right. And to be honest with you, I know that people were griping about table setting, but that's what the Mandalorian does every year. <laughs> it's side quest, side quest. You get a little piece of the puzzle, little piece here, little piece there. Side quest, Grogu gets kidnapped, side quest. So... Rescue Grogu speaking of that, solved it. Speaking of that, I did find it. Now, don't get me wrong. I did like the episode, okay? But I did find it a little annoying that it just fell right back into Mando needs this, and then he has to help and do this side quest here. What with um, getting the IG unit and helping. Well, I mean, this isn't Star Trek, so it's not like he's going to fly up and, like, have state-of-the-art sensor technology for, you know. No, but it's just like, yeah. you know, it's it's more it's more of the same kind of style. And, and fine, but can we just, like, put the side quests at a minimum for a little bit? Like, just have the story play out. 
Well, and I get that. I do. And I know that that was the main gripe was that it was too much table setting. It, and I mean, it worked well for the season one and it, it, it didn't feel so side questy in season two. Well, his side quest was just looking for other Jedi, really. Really. Yeah. And then, you know, his ship gets broken, so he has to find a way to get it repaired somewhere, you know? It, it felt a little bit more organic in season two. This one, it felt forced, almost. I don't know. I don't think it felt that forced. I mean, yes. The whole, the idea <laughs> of, I need that droid. Right. <laughs> uh, maybe a little, maybe, but you know, whatever. If I if we get Taika Waititi back as IG Eleven in any semblance of it, I'm okay with it because it was enjoyable. <laughs> what do you think of Babu coming back? Was it Babu, the 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 little droid, uh, the droid repair guy? Droid Smith. The droid Smith. Okay, whatever. I said blacksmith earlier, and you corrected me. So now we're going with droids. I got you. All right, fine. Um, was it really the same character? I thought it was just like different, the same species, different characters. I thought it was. I, I thought it was the same one. But I cannot 100% be sure. I mean, I thought it was cute. I, I mean, I. I, I, I Believe me, out of all the problems I have with Rise of Skywalker, Babu was not one of them. So. <laughs> no, it was generally pretty enjoyable. Yes, quite, yeah. actually. And, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I found that, and and I, I, loved, I loved how Babu was speaking pigeon. And, <laughs> and Carl Weathers is translating for him. And as soon as Din Djarin's like, all right, I get it. <laughs> He's still translating for him. Yeah. <laughs> so I liked but, that. But that was Rogu that was cute. only wanted a hug, man. He only yeah. wanted a hug. <laughs> he found a species his size. So <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I can understand why people might be a little frustrated. I I know that there's been some talk that since the last live action show was Andor going from Andor, which was very dark, very gritty to this and very human, by the way. Yeah. There's almost no aliens making, having prominent roles in that show. That's a good point. Yeah. Now you're having a little speechless baby alien. <laughs> well, that's what got, us, the ability to have shows like Andor with success right. of this show. So yeah, tone it down, you schmucks. Come on. <laughs> it's a little ungrateful at this point. And you know what? You all been clamoring for him to come back anyway. We all I know. knew it. I wasn't clamoring. Back. I was. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love I love Grogu. I, I think he's great. I just I, I was really clamoring wanted him to this show to come back. Yes. Well, and I, I, I want to see. There's more, and there's more to this kid. Well, I mean, sure. It, I mean, it, just take the silly little him sitting in grief's chair. He's pushing himself with the force. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. You're right. You can see, like the puppet will raise his hand, and it'll spin around faster. 
Yeah, basically he's got like a jet a jet a jet force coming out of his his right hey, hand and does forcing force the chair to and spin it around. Yeah. This and then he's openly using the force. He's received training. He might not be a full-fledged Jedi, but he's way more competent now in his force abilities. Right. That is clear. I mean, look at he took down the Rancor. <laughs> then he true. took a nap. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, Grogu is is growing in power, and clearly we're going to get some more flashbacks to Order sixty six from the Jedi scene that we see in the trailers. Yay, more Jedi Holocaust. Well, for all, it, all I want, I. I am curious how he escaped the temple. I'm also curious to, by the way, to see some of this stuff happen is fascinating. It would be, by the time they're done with it all, I would kind of love to see, like, somebody try to piece together all the parts from the various Disney Plus shows and Revenge of the Sith tie-in to see all I bet you you could probably have a good solid half an hour of the Operation Nightfall. <laughs> yeah. Now tell me what Operation Nightfall was. That was the attack on the Jedi Temple. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so. Oh, yeah, you totally could. Yeah. Simple. Just be fascinating. That's all. Just yeah. a thought. Anyway, I, I I get it. There's, it's the first episode. There's definitely going to be needing table setting to get him off. Because if he goes to, I mean, yeah, could he have tried to find his way down? But here's another thing. It actually takes brains to to make sure when you're going into a hazardous and unknown situation, takes brains and a little bit of guts to realize eh, maybe I'm not. I shouldn't do this on my own. Right. Okay. It takes well, a little thinking and planning. And yes, is it really humility too? Yeah. Is it also a little, maybe just trying to set up the, the stage for <laughs> getting people into position. Sure. There's definitely some table setting. I'll give you that. But star Wars is all table setting. It always <laughs> has been. Well, that I can acknowledge, yes. <laughs> I give it a, a B plus, episode one. Yeah, I'll give that. It I, was fun. I, I would agree with you. The, you know, uh, I I liked that they hinted at the Pergil. I think that is key to upcoming series and maybe even have an impact on this uh, this season in Mandalorian. I think it's fascinating to learn that most of Bo-Katan's followers have since deserted her. Yeah, that, that is um, very interesting. I am... By the way, did you think in the opening scene where you see the armor putting a helmet together and you have this kid going to do the oath, did you... Did you think that maybe that was a flashback to Din Djarin? 
That was my immediate thought, yeah, because they decided to choose a kid that resembles him. Pedro Pascal. Yeah, resembles him uh, color palette-wise. Yeah. Same, same skin tone, same hair, like, messy. Yeah. It honestly, it honestly looked like it was going to be a flashback, but no. <laughs> By the way, interesting, I, when I was watching the credits and the, the, the artwork for that scene, the animal that was attacking had a much more snapping turtle-like head in the artwork. They went oh. more with a crocodile look, um, which I'm fine with. I just thought that's why I like watching this artwork. I'm like, hmm. yeah, they were going with a giant snapping turtle. Yeah, basically. They probably wanted to do a hybrid look to make it look more alien. Well, this creature that they were fighting had, like, a shell. Yeah, it did have a shell. I noticed that. And then when they put the the charges on the shell, I'm like, you idiots, that's not going to do anything. And it didn't. Not much. (laughs) You need to throw those charges into the mouth. Gotta tell you, Mando has blown up a lot of big nasty creatures he really has the ice spiders the crate dragon the no the, the, more the crate dragon and this this giant crocodile yeah blew up where there's like chunks of <laughs> <laughs> we saw entrails flying yeah 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 that's true that's true but anyway um you know man i i found it to be enjoyable uh i think we've got uh, more things coming. Um, I've been told there's at least one big, like, franchise surprise coming. Like, I've told it's Skywalker-ish. Hmm. Chewbacca? Is that is that Skywalker-ish level? I don't think so. It'd be a pretty big get. Would, but who knows? This is such a such a dark time for for Star Wars lore because we don't know what happens in that thirty years. You could conceivably, maybe you're going to get Alden Ehrenreich back as Han Solo. How? Because Han's Han at this point, and Luke was Luke at that point. Yeah, but why would you have Alden Ehrenreich when you could just, like, de-age Harrison Ford? Because he wouldn't. He, I don't think you're going to... Harrison Ford doesn't want to come back as Han Solo. You can no. probably... Alden Ehrenreich wants to come back as Han Dude, Solo. I can guarantee you that they body scanned the shit out of Harrison Ford for uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And all they need to do is take all those same polygons and just put them into... The Mandalorian. Yeah, but this way you get a little bit more of an interactive one. And granted, see, uh, Book of Boba Fett Luke was better than Mando Luke. Um, I don't know. I just, it, I think it would be more interactive. You won't get the Uncanny Valley. <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying it, that could be it. You could have something else. Could have Donald Glover show up as Lando for all we know. But why? <laughs> why not? Same, same yeah. issue. They're both no. They're both. And they're still thirty years guys. later. 
it's 30 years later. 30 years later than 25 what? years later. Well, 15, 15 years 10, later, 15 years later. 10, 15. I'd go with 15. Still. It's easier to put a little gray in somebody's hair. <laughs> Cheaper, too. I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, they, I don't think I, I think what they're going to do is they're going to try to stay as far away from Solo as much as possible. Well, considering they're trying to do a Lando show, something tells me no. They're not going to do a Lando show. It's been on the docket. It's on the docket. They're not going to do it. Uh, that'd be a shame. I would love to see narrated by Billy D and starring Donald Glover. Oh, my God. They're going to do a young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Which was great. <laughs> I uh, didn't see it. But I know I, I you've said it's great, so... Watch Paramount. So I, it was on Paramount Plus for a while. Is it? I'll look it up. That's weird because you're right. Does Paramount own it, the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, or does Lucasfilm? I. Uh, it was on. It was on Paramount Plus. Right. I remember it's watching. It's the, the it. same way as like all the Indiana Jones show uh, movies are on Paramount Plus. Indiana Jones. Well, anyway, I'm just saying yeah. there's something coming. There's someone coming. <laughs> there's a threat, and it's out there, and we're going to find out at some point. It's soon. We will. But we, we just got to hope that Mando ranks up a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I'd like to see is... Mando. Here, here's what I think. Mando doesn't need to drag out this quest to go down to the to the surface of Mandalore very long. Right. He can go down. You know, he can get a droid in the next episode, and then like head to Mandalore, and then season episode three, he's he finally gets himself there. Whatever he can wash in the waters or whatever. And find out that it's there's it's still salvageable. And here's where the real problems start when he goes back and says, oh, by the way, I'm free and clear for you. And I've been here and seen that you can go to this planet for you. And now <laughs> he's got, you know, all the factions of the Mandalorian, you know, trying to trying to unite them to reclaim their home. Right. And then you can get the conflicts with Bo-Katan, the ongoing rivalry with Paz Vizsla, um, the weird relationship he has with the armor, you know, maybe finding other conclaves of Mandalorians somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you get a surprise Mandalorian show up somewhere. Well, I mean, I will say it can go a lot of different ways, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe Grogu gets a helmet. uh, uh, I thought about that. The prevailing (laughs) fan theory is that Grogu is the Mandalorian. Right. It's not, it's not Din. And that his first words will be, this is the way. 
Yeah, that'd be a good tie-in, just like uh, just like how uh, Captain America finally got that dance with Peggy. He finally got to say Avengers Assembled. They've been teasing yeah. it. <laughs> they teased it for like 10 years. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so, but, all right. I, I mean, you know, again, I mean, minor criticisms here and there. It was a fun watch, and I, I'm looking forward to the next I'm looking forward to the next season. What do you well. think of this new pirate clan? Um, I, I mean, I feel like they're a pretty generic baddie, just what, like Swamp all the Thing? others. Huh? <laughs> Swamp Thing saw Guerrero didn't uh, didn't do anything for you. No, uh, I mean, <laughs> no, nah, not really. I mean, I just I. I uh... Oh, you know what he reminded me of? Pizza the Hut. You're not the first person to make that. <laughs> he does have a little piece of the hut in him. Yeah, a lot, actually. <laughs> when I saw some of the pirates standing in Navarro, I was hoping I was going to hear Hondo's voice. Oh. Because th- this would be the perfect time to bring Hondo into live action. There's a lot of shit out on the fringe. That That voice is just... Just too good. Yeah, I will say. I mean, I I've seen Hondo in li- in real in real life. They made mm-hmm. an auto auto an animatronic version of him, life size, at Rise of the Resistance, and it's great. Same same voice actor and stuff. It, it it's really cool. I love Hondo. Yeah. <laughs> Hondo actually helped uh, liberate Lothal. So. Yeah, he did. So, yeah, I mean, having him show up in The Mandalorian wouldn't be out of place. No, it wouldn't. It'd be especially interesting because Hondo has had many run-ins with Jedi and had an interesting relationship with Ezra. And maybe Hondo has heard through the fringes word about Ezra. Yeah, okay. That's a good point. He would be a good surprise guest role in ahsoka as well i was just thinking yeah ahsoka calling on hondo for any information that would be great that would be Uh, great but still (laughs) well exciting things ahead of us talon Uh card would be even better who talon card would be great i don't know that name Talon Card was the smuggler chief in a, the Heir to the Empire, the Thrawn trilogy. Oh. It was it was somebody Han Solo was trying to get help to help the New Republic get information out there, trying to find information on the growing Imperial threat again. And Card had dealings with both the New Republic and Thrawn's Empire, and he was Mara Jade's boss. So. Mm, I didn't get that far in uh, that book. Oh, dude, you've got to. The whole trilogy is amazing. I got to the introduction of uh, of Mara Jade, and that was it. Mm. And she was having dinner with Thrawn or something like that. It was. Oh, maybe I did get to. No, she if she works for that guy, 
You probably, yeah. I did probably get introduced to him, but I don't remember the name. I knew about Mara Jade, though. So. There's there's a lot of rumors flying around that there's stuff setting up basically an heir to the Empire-esque um, project here. Well, with- I mean, that's exactly what Marvel does. They do their own versions of the comics uh, stories. Bringing Thrawn back at this time is Basically around the same time he appeared in the Heir to the Empire. Right. Give or take a couple of years. Right. Depending on how long. Yeah. So this would be, this would fit right in. I'm just, just something. I mean, I'd never turn down Hondo. Just saying. Wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. There's a lot of ways we could go. And, you know, they've had some. Great surprises. Uh, Favreau and Filoni have done a great job of keeping their the lid on the big reveals in each season. So I'm curious to see where <laughs> it goes. Uh, I think Boba Fett's coming back this season. I think I've heard that he's going to have an appearance, which is fine because he and he and Din are are boys now. Right. They've helped each other out of big. The big crises that they needed help with. So. Yep, they're all, and they don't owe each other anything. They're just you know, they fought in battle now, and they 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 helped each other. Each one has helped the other, and. Yep. Wouldn't surprise me if maybe Din calls upon his help at the end of the season with something <laughs> to do with going to Mandalore. So. Right. Again, I mean, all all exciting possibilities. So just a matter of us being patient enough to watch is it is it eight episodes again this season i believe so yes eight episodes eight episodes that's not enough (laughs) it's never enough to be honest with you give me 10 every season then you wouldn't need it to shoehorn two episodes into the into right uh, book of boba but there you go anyway (laughs) Well, on uh, on that note, anything else to take us out? Well, I gave my rating. What did you think? No, I told you. I agree. B plus. Yep. I'm right. That we're in rare agreements here. No, it it's it's good. In fact, it was really good. I wouldn't say it was amazing. They've had better episodes, but it was it's good. More of the same ish. Because there was still some new stuff in it, and, and I mean, I'm I'm gonna repeat myself. So I, I'm, B plus, I'm hence interested, the B plus. I'm interested in seeing more of that pirate warship. It kind of looks like maybe a remodeled uh, Republic Star Cruiser. So I could see that. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. So and that was a pretty <laughs> uh, that that that's a that'll be a new. Um, That'll be a nice little bent to it. It's pirates that are after them instead of the Empire or the remnants of the Empire and stuff. And that's a whole new. We know that the Empire is going to appear at some point. You've seen the footage of the TIE fighters chasing the Mandalorian ships. Oh, sure. Yeah. (laughs) We know there's some shit going on somewhere. But having a, a different recurring antagonist. Probably a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all for it. It's kind of nice to see that Naboo Starfighter in action. That thing can move. (laughs) 
Yeah. It's a lot less clunky than the Razor Crest. Oh, isn't that for sure? But probably still, pre, a, probably uh, not as comfortable to sleep in, though. No, not in the slightest. And I actually do feel a little claustrophobic when I see the inside of them sitting in it and stuff. So, by the way, I, I did like watching Mando try to explain how things worked, how he flew in hyperspace to Grogu. So, he's really taking on the role of father figure and mentor. Yeah. I'm on board with seeing that. You know, the first season was all Grogu, don't do that. You know? Right. And right. So it was a good chunk of season two. Um, the idea of actually teaching him to do things, I I would be fascinated in. So. All things. Yeah. So. All right. <clears throat> well, on that note, everyone, until next time, uh, follow us on Twitter at those sci-fi guys. Uh, follow me on Twitter at PS McKay. Uh, email those sci-fi guys at gmail.com and yeah, we have a website. Just go to it. Yes, we do. It's, uh, it's very <laughs> nice. You're too kind. Um, so until then, everybody, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working so long. And, uh, from all of us Mandalorians, we'll see you all on the high ground. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by AlphaSite Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information. <laughs>